Hey friends, welcome back to another edition of Parent Q Live. This is a special edition, the dad edition. We've done a few of these and we've been enjoying having these conversations really on how we're figuring out fatherhood on the fly because that's what we're doing and uh, we're just like you guys. We're not experts in any way, shape or form on this podcast as dads, uh, John Acuff and myself having some conversations with with some, some dads in different seasons of their lives and today We've got a new season of a dad uh, that we're going to be talking to. Stuart Hall is a father of a 22-year-old, a 20-year-old, and an 18-year-old. So he's not in the granddad stage quite yet, but he is definitely, or his kids are, are adults now and or, or about to turn into adults. And I tell you what, guys, this conversation really, really, really has some pointed things and action steps that dads can do. So if you were a mom listening to the podcast, get your husband some headphones, forward him the podcast, let him listen to this podcast, because I think that this one right here, um, at, at least for me, because my daughters are 15, 14, and they are just getting right up to this phase that Stuart has just finished in, and he's still parenting inside of that. So um, hopefully you guys will enjoy this conversation with John Acuff, Stuart Hall, and myself, Carlos Whitaker, your host today. Sit back, relax, and enjoy our conversation. Okay, so we are sitting around a campfire, uh, the three of us, uh, John Acuff, Stuart Hall, and Carlos Whitaker. John has a um, plastic tennis racket in his hands that he's playing like a guitar. Pretty well. Pretty well. <laughs> they have a world championship of air guitar. I saw that on the internet No, they the don't. Do they yeah. really? I bet that's hard to explain to your girlfriend that you're doing that. I'm just kidding. That guy doesn't have a girlfriend. No, that guy's listening to this podcast, yeah, so you need to apologize because oh, you've offended him. Oh, if on the list of people I offend, it's him and mimes. <laughs> I was like, what's a mime going to do? Like, you can do mime jokes all day. Although I will say this. I will say the other day I'm in an airport and I'm reading a book and there's this guy comes up and he's like, I love that book. And it's him and his wife. And I'm like, yeah, the only thing is weird is this one thing about this dude. And the guy goes, I'm the same way. Like I made a comment about like something this guy's into mm-hmm. yeah. and I said, it's weird. And then the guy said, I'm into it. Oh, and then just stared at me. Oh, his no. wife was like, and so am I. Oh, and I was oh, like, geez. this oh is at the airport. I was like, uh, <laughs> like, what do you like? It just, it was foot and mouth. I'm, I'm, like, I'm more impressed with the fact that you were, you're reading a book and not staring at your phone at the airport. I'm trying to read 156 this year. So I got, Are you really? I got 56 to go. That's crazy. That's amazing. Yeah, so that's for another podcast. Yeah, yeah, and they're all about being a better dad. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be real honest. I don't know if a single one's been about parenting. Let's be real. Could that it's be hard. categorized as a Jesus juke? It's hard to read a good parenting book. <laughs> it is. Like, man. It a is. lot of Can them. Somebody write one. Actually, that's not true. I've read two the two phase books, sixth grade, eighth grade, because I have a sixth grader and eighth grader, and they were very readable. I think a lot of parenting books make you hate being a parent. No question. Because they're like, time to be boring. Mm-hmm. No. And they're not fun. And they act like parenting isn't fun or funny or weird. And they're so serious. So that's true. I have read two. Let, let, me, let me go and tell you guys. I actually have read a parenting book not put out by Rethink or Orange that, that was hilarious. Go ahead and that some, out. Somebody. <laughs> it's got to be Jim Jaffkin's book. Jim no, Jaffkin's no book. it wasn't that. It, somebody gave it to me when Sohaila was born. This was 15 years ago now. It's called, So You're Going to Be a Dad. By Peter Downey, and it's hilarious. It's just slapstick humor about being a dad and just how crazy it is. So I don't know that one. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty funny. Paul Reiser has a good book. Really, uh, Fatherhood? Is that what it's called? No, I think it's Parenthood. Parenthood. I like Paul Reiser. Yeah. Okay. He was mad about you. Mm-hmm. 
but they don't end up together at the end of that show. It's a weird, oh. like it took a weird. That's ending. because his wife got swept away in a tornado, right? I've never seen. No, that show. <laughs> wasn't that no. Helen Hunt I've in that show? show? Oh, because you're talking about that movie, with Bill Pullman. <laughs> yeah, I've never Twister. Seen Twister, yeah. Oh no. yeah, but that was better than the Joey falling in love with Rachel theme. Like that's when you know your yeah. idea is done. It's when over. you're like, yeah. you know what we could do? Next? I have seen that show. <laughs> Terrible. You know what I saw the other day? Somebody said Seinfeld created a hundred cultural phrases. Friends created almost none. When you think about like, oh, she's a bit of a close talker or like he's a sidler or like, you know, the phrases you say and then you try to think of like, can you think of three from friends? Like other than like, do you think it's because he was a stand up guy? I think that has a big part because he was writing the content, but I just think culturally over time, Seinfeld will last where like puffy shirt, like you say that right. and it's a thing. Like right. when you go, we're like, I don't know. It's hard to name a, a cultural reference from friends, from friends, like how you doing maybe, but that's been so part of like gangster Italian culture. I don't know. Yeah. Now that's about parents. That's a very interesting. No, I mean, we're not into parenting yet, but I'll, I'll go in one last non-parenting fact is I've never seen one episode of Seinfeld what? and I've never seen one episode. That almost of friends. feels racist. <laughs> I don't know. Is it cause it's white people? Let's just get you into know what? some no, issues. It, it definitely was just not for me. I think I tried. I think I maybe I would, watched 20 I would, half an episode. I lean yeah. more to your direction. Yeah, I, dude, I, I, I can't remember like full episodes. Yeah. Like you, as, as, as you were like spitting out lines, like, you know, these, I'm like, I, no. I don't know. But okay. Know so a confession of something everybody's seen except you, you'd say Seinfeld. Seinfeld, 100%. I'd say Space yeah. Jam. I've never seen Space Jam. I've never no, seen Space see, Jam. See, that's a cardinal sin. I've never seen Space Jam either. Space Man, Jam. What's wrong with me? You've never seen it? No, I've never seen it. I've never seen it. You didn't like Seinfeld? You're I didn't say I didn't like it. I didn't say I didn't like it. I just didn't want to take the time to watch it. I've never seen The Labyrinth by David Bowie. Yeah, but I, neither have I. <laughs> I don't remember Willow. I love that one with the puppets. Yeah. That was a good one. So, speaking of puppets. <laughs> th- speaking of things you control. It's kids. Kids. <laughs> Teens. We, we've got them. Teenagers. We're uh, uh, Stuart. You've you um you're you're on you're on the way out of uh of 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 being your career's a on the tail your end. Career's on the tail end. Something. How's that feel to just know that it's almost over? Yeah. Um, not your career, but but uh, but you're about to teens. be empty nest. Yeah. You're when about are to you empty nest? Uh, another year and a half. Okay. okay. So but there's two others that are already in their twenties, already mm-hmm. doing the college thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what um, talk to us just about what what as a dad like how's this feel like like I mean is it are you excited are you you know, Kelly and I never really dreaded the teenage years, yeah. probably because 13 years as a local church youth pastor, we weren't, we weren't necessarily intimidated by it and they wound up being the best years. Yeah. Not because right. our kids are angels, but just because we love the tension. Yeah. Even though we're living in a cesspool known as our culture. Yeah. Uh, it hasn't, it's been incredible. And so, I think we'll be, I mean, there'll be definitely some separation and anxiety, but for yeah. the most part, we'll look back and go, man, that was hard, but it was a whole lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I agree. I, John was talking about this on an earlier episode that, you know, I, I feel like every, I don't know what it is, but every season or phase your kids are going to go into, it's like half your friends are like, oh my gosh, it's going to be miserable. Like, it's going to be the worst. And I, I've got a 15 year old and a four, almost 14 year old right now. And it, we're just having the time of our lives. Mm-hmm. Like we're just having a blast. And again, like, dating hasn't started yet. So like, I know there's things that are going to come out there, but it, it is all about your perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, it is all about, uh, that John, John's entering into that, mm-hmm. the teen space. 
Yeah, it's I have fun with it. Yeah. I think it's a cultural mistake to demonize it before it's even started. Sure. Um, and I think it's it's important the word you said intimidated. Like mm-hmm. that, I think there are times when adults like, you know, don't want to go to a movie because there could be teenagers there talking. Right. And like what, like how would we stop them? You know. And so I th- I think there is an intimidation, but I don't know. It's it's fun to me. It's it's really really fun. Yeah. Um, and you can have bigger conversations than you you could before. But so I I mean it's I'm curious. So you're down to one kid. Mm. How's that phase different than when you had two or three? Mm. Uh, I think it's probably more different for her than it is us as yeah. parents because she and her older sister were really, really close. Uh, both of their uh, – we so we have a, a son who's 22, a, da- a, a daughter that's 20, and a daughter that's 17. Grant, our son, was out of the house while both of them were in high school mm. or Chandler had just started high school. So they've kind of made that journey together. Together, yeah. And it wasn't that Grant was absent because we saw him a lot because we went and watched him play ball, but – they they really didn't know life with him always being there, sure, sure, or at least in the formative teenage years. Yeah. So I think it's more difficult for Cameron than it is for us. She mm. she gets <laughs> she gets all the attention. Oh yeah. It, it's like the laser. Yes, she, we're laser focused on her. So. Well, it's yeah, it's two on one now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned culture. Okay. So what are what are the th- what are the waves? The big tidal waves. Parents of teenagers have to be careful about right now. Uh, I, I think the, the, one of the biggest mistakes we can make as parents is to think that it's like it was when we were in school mm-hmm. and nothing could be further from the truth. Yeah. The, just, just the worldwide web has changed the game. Sure. Uh, the shameless audacity of young men mm-hmm. as it relates to sexuality with teenage girls boggles the mind. Hmm. There is a never ending battle, at least with our girls for maintain or to maintain the correct perspective as it relates to their self image, mm-hmm. body shaming, um, their self worth. I, I think that's what the cesspool does. Is it, it, you know, Kelly and I have resolved to the fact they live in a cesspool. They're probably going to get a little stink on them. Mm-hmm. But if if somehow, some way, we can help them keep that to a minimum, we're going to be okay. So how do you help them keep that to a minimum? So, you know, so I, I've got, again, my daughters are four, 13. I mean, they're just, they're really, the boys are just now mm-hmm. kind of becoming a thing. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I know that I do know what you're saying that it is a cesspool. I mean, my my 14 uh, year old daughter has already had boys just that she doesn't even know want to be a friend on a social media outlet, and then she says yes, and the next thing you know, they're like, "Hey, do you want to kiss? Do you want to or, or whatever?" And it's like, what? Like, yeah. what happened to like? Will you go out with me? Will you? No, it goes straight from you know. Sure. You know. So h- how do you wh- how do you keep some of the how do you keep the cess to a minimum? I don't know if I don't think we can keep the cesspool to a minimum where, where we what we've tried to do is focus our attention on helping Grant Chandler and Cameron be above it. Yeah. And not necessarily fighting against it. But if they can get above it, one of the things that we've always told our girls is that you you climb to the highest part of the tree and the dude that's worth it will climb to you that's as good. opposed to 
you know, bringing yourself down. So, but what that means for them is that they have to, if, if we were at our home right now, you would go up in our, our daughter's upstairs bathroom and even in her bedroom. And she has Bible verses and quotes written all over her mirrors Mm -hmm. just to remind herself that this is who I am. This is what God says about me. This is what's important. Uh, I think that's the key. Mm-hmm. Uh, the key is helping them be so confident and sure of who they are in Christ and who Christ is in them yeah. that they're not going to lower themselves. And when they do, or if they get tempted to, that check in them. We, we, once you're in teenage years, you are not in control. Right. You're in coach mode. You're, yeah. You've moved from that place of control to influence. And they have to self-govern themselves. Yeah. And hopefully we can come alongside and walk with them and help them. That's good. Yeah, that's a, that's a big difference. No, I, I, I think the, what you said about times aren't the same goes both ways, too, in that I remember thinking my daughter would get a phone when she's like 16 because I had my, my mentality, which was I didn't have one. She shouldn't have one. They can just call on the house phone. And that was the wrong mentality. I wasn't able to recognize that things have changed so dramatically that the, the switch point for us was my wife said, I wish she was, she had a phone so she could get the text messages from her small group. And I was like, what do you mean? She said, they send encouraging texts the whole week, like Bible verses, all this stuff. She's the only one that doesn't have one. She's on the outside of community. Yeah. So I think for me, yeah, we've been there going, oh, wait, it's not the devil's Mm -hmm. Pandora box. Like, it has that, but it's also a connection point. And to have her without one isn't mean, like, we're being noble and saving money or whatever. We're actually withholding her from natural, healthy community. Mm -hmm. What's what's the balance? So the idea of your world is different than their world, um, I think, is really fascinating. It is. Yeah, and we have fought that very battle uh, and had to help our kids think through, okay, now tell us again why you feel like you need to be on this all the time. Again, it's a coaching. You're in coach mode. You're not in control mode. We're going to, if you feel like this is what you need to do, here's, here are the consequences and help them begin to make those decisions because you're not there. And it's a lot easier as a parent. I think any parent will understand this to, to start that earlier than Mm -hmm. try to try to step in later. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, I, I have a friend of mine that was, uh, we, we started with massive rules with our daughters in technology um, when they were, you know, when they were 10, you know, before they even had phones, when it was just iPad or, uh, you know, iPods. Um, and now they're able to, you know, they know that the rules are going to shift and change every six sure. months. Things are going to be different as sure. opposed to you know, someone that's trying to come in when you have a 16 year old, like, oh, okay, now we're going to put this app on your phone and you're going right. to get 40 minutes of entertainment time a day. And right. it's like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, you know, slow down. We still we we have maintained this standard in our house with, that if you're in the house, like when you go to bed, your phone stays downstairs. Yeah. They don't have the phone in their room. Yeah. They've and and maybe the last six months that they're in our house, we'll give them that freedom. Yeah, yeah. but we feel like that's a pretty healthy thing. Yeah. Love it. I think that's great. What um so with daughters, uh, teen daughters, um looking looking back at when we as dads were dating in high school, um. What what's different about daughters now? Our daughters who will be or have been dating in high school. Uh, what's different about even dating and being a father of a daughter um, mm-hmm. that's dating nowadays compared to when we were um, when we were in high school? I think we have to recognize that 
we're living in a time where because of you can we could associate it with postmodernism the fact we're in post-christian time truth has become relative uh, young men don't have any respect for the most part Ooh. this that's that, you know what let me take that back that's an unfair generalization many young men mm -hmm. don't respect authority they certainly don't respect or don't come into a relationship many times thinking about holding that young lady in high esteem yeah i didn't grow up in church but i was scared to death <laughs> to offend uh, a, a girl yeah. because of her dad yeah not today not today not today and like you said earlier they will you know they will connect on social media and before before they've even gone anywhere together they've already Formed asked it. asked them to do certain things yeah. or send them this picture and they haven't even hung out yeah so that's the game changer and it what it's caused our you know our girls say no so much more than they say yes yeah so but the flip side of that so you do have a son Mm -hmm. So what is it, what's it look like to raise a young man that will climb to the top of the tree? Hmm. The conversation that Grant and I had a ton was around the idea that purity paves the way to intimacy, that it was never about rules and mm -hmm. don't do this and don't do that. It was, this is really what you're after in a relationship. And it, it's to know somebody and to be fully known without any fear of rejection, to be completely accepted. And your your purity, integrity, and character paves the way to that. And the, the lower you go, the harder that is to obtain in the future. So the most difficult thing for teenagers, for all of us, is to make a decision now that has incredible weight for the future. Mm -hmm. That's the most difficult part about being a teenager, is that you're not thinking about the future, you're thinking about now. And I mean, we probably really realized how difficult it was for Grant, not when he was in high school, but when he got to college. I can remember distinctly him coming home, I think it was after their first bowl game his freshman year, and he got emotional in our bedroom floor. Just He just sat and you know cried because he was, he was trying so hard in college to be above reproach, and he was surrounded by guys that didn't. I mean, yeah. it was the complete opposite. What? To the college to, football players, yeah, what? to the to the degree that you know they 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 were pretty cutting, yeah, with him, with him, yeah, and uh, he got through it. You know, they He's all on the do. Other side. Yeah, He's on the other side. he. But that's a. It's just a battle. Yeah, but that's an adult battle too. Like it, you go, no how question. come adults have a bajillion dollars in credit card debt? It's because right. I want the thing now. Right. I don't want to save up for two years. Right. Like two years for you know like the immediacy, and I think. I don't know. You never want to blame the phone for everything, but being able to get anything you want in one second, yeah. uh, 24 hours a day, like mm -hmm. you're crazy if you don't think that conditions you to expect other parts of life sure. yeah. to work the same way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That most certainly. What do you think, Stuart? Um, what are ways, I mean, you, you, you've again, for 20 some odd years, you've spoken to students and, um, I, I would say that you have probably seen firsthand the acceleration of the pace at which they live, the pace at which they consume information, the pace at which what are ways that we can get teens to slow down, just just to slow down, just to rest, mm -hmm. just to turn it, turn the volume from a 10 to a two. Mm -hmm. 
what, what are some ways we can do that? Well, I think, first of all, mom and dad need to model rest. Boom. Drop the mic. We, our kids emulate us. Yeah. And to be very candid, we are extremely busy. However, the other side of that is that if our children see parents who slow down to invest, you know, I think this goes back, John, to what you were asking earlier about our son and, and even our daughters. Kelly and I hope and pray that what they've seen in us are parents who take time out to invest in our relationship. What we hope they see in us is that our relationship with Jesus is the most important thing to us. What we hope yeah. they see in us is that we're, we're not ru- running at such a, a, you know, scurry pace that we can't breathe. Mm. Uh, and they've also seen those times in us when that hasn't been the case and they've watched the consequences of that yeah. and hopefully learn from our mistakes because, you know, there's no such thing as a perfect parent. Yeah. It's an oxymoron. So, uh, I, I think that the biggest thing is modeling. Uh-huh. Uh, I, the, there's a flip side to that question too, though. And, and that is if we're not careful, we can be so concerned about pace that we also can contribute to the very things that, and John, you could probably speak to this better than I could. The bosses of companies are mm-hmm. saying about this generation that that they're lazy, yeah. and that you know they they're it's very difficult to get them to work. Mm-hmm. I th- I think there's a flip side to the pace thing. Yeah, I, I don't think our children need to need to be afraid of work. Right, and it's almost a curse word <laughs> to millennials and Generation Z. Yeah, would would you disagree with that? Or no, I mean every every company I go to has a millennial horror story. Though I always just tell millennials it's the greatest opportunity in the world because if people think you're lazy and you're just even a little, a little not, <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. such a low bar. <laughs> and I know, and you know, I know a ton of millennials that are doing great work. I know you know boomers that are doing more tech than millennials. Mm. And so there's a tension there. But I yeah I I mean I think part of that there's a bunch of books about like it was helicopter parents that did that. It was saying yes too much. It was, you know, giving them everything they wanted. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I think, I think we're also, we're seeing multiple generations removed from a father in the house. Mm-hmm. And so like, yeah. I think we're seeing generational stuff start to happen mm-hmm. that maybe in the sixties you didn't have happen. Um, maybe in the forties you didn't have happen. Um, and our views of retirement and work and, but I, yeah, to millennials I talked to, I just, it's the greatest thing in the world for you. But yeah, er, like, I constantly have conversations where people say they left at two in the afternoon to go get a, to to go do yoga. And it was like a work day. And we were like, what are you doing? Um, and you go, well, that's not, or like they, um, they wanted like a three month or like they wanted us to pay for the childcare of their kid because they had a kid and they were like, well, I'm going to work from home full time and raise the kid also pay me. And we were like, that's not like, we didn't discuss you having <laughs> yeah. a kid. Like, right. Right. And so just some of the things they ask for. Um, but yeah, that's an interesting, like what, how, how they think and what, what they think about. Um, Carlos and I were talking about that, about kids getting their licenses later. Cause they're like, well, you'll just drive me. Mm-hmm. And I've heard a million comedians mm-hmm. say, parents didn't worship kids like when i was a kid you saw your dad he read the newspaper you hung out with him for a half hour he didn't coddle you for three hours at the park every day after right and so like what's different about how kids 
when kids became the star of the house versus right. a member of the house. Sure. That's there's fascinating. A, there's a delicate balance between you idolizing your children yeah. and them being distractive baggage. Yeah. Because I do think a lot of moms and dads who don't want to put their children in the rat race, yeah. it's because mom and dad are like, and, and this, I think we'd have to back up and really dive into the sure. purpose of parenting. Like, why are you being a mom and dad to yeah. this child? Yeah. But a lot of parents, they're like, we're doing our thing and you being involved in that and you being in this club and you being a part of this travel team just yeah. interferes with our thing. Yeah. Yeah, and there's this very interesting balance between the two. Yeah, that's, I like the idea of like you get to choose a thing that you do a semester. Like with with us, even one thing is a lot. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. my daughter does drama and it meets it meets on Saturdays. So that's a sacrifice that okay, from two to four thirty, like we're gonna mm -hmm. but I just yeah, there is a balance there where it's but so, sometimes it becomes the whole thing where on the one end of the extreme it's like parents who don't want to interact, so they just make their their kids so busy that like if you're travel soccer every weekend for 11 months out of 12 like that's hard or with young parents you see it where they won't put the kids to bed and they like if as long as the kid stays up till 10 we don't have to interact one-on-one -on -one as a husband and wife you're like that <laughs> sure. doesn't mm -hmm. that doesn't end well so yeah i do think you have to land somewhere in the middle it's not easy it's no. it's funny you know um i i think i think heather and i you know we so we've chosen to homeschool our kids mm -hmm. so and that was a 100 percent schedule lifestyle decision mm -hmm. that, you know we both had a great public school experiences but um for us we do have to be careful of that what you were saying Stuart, because our schedule has been so free as a family to be able to kind of go do whatever when they were younger when they were really little um to where to where it was a big shocker when they got into older elementary into middle school to where um you know Lesai wanted to play flag football last year suddenly we signed him up for flag football he had a Tuesday practice, a Friday practice, and two Saturday games. Mm -hmm. And suddenly our entire life revolved around flag football, mm -hmm. you know. And so so we ha we had to be careful not to, like, react to that. Like, oh, yeah. you know, you're just, you're just not going to do it. We had to find kind of what was what yeah. was good for. You guys may have invited the wrong guy to the table for that discussion. Oh, no, that's good. I'm, yeah, I, I probably have a bit of a different perspective. Yeah. But. Sure. I'll only go there if you ask. No. <laughs> so, so what, like playing football? I'm no, asking. just yeah. sports in general. Yeah. yeah no, what so. about like how, how good they are for a kid? No, just about the, I, I think, I think you have to take a step back and I'm not at all implying that you oh, yeah, no. haven't yeah. done this, but like, why, why, why are they playing sports? Yeah. And it's not really about the end product. Uh -huh. It's not about success. It, it's not about winning. Yeah. It's about what they learn. Sure. And I'm of the opinion that the church probably owes athletics a standing ovation and, and a sincere apology uh -huh. because we have lambasted, especially in youth ministry circles. We, oh, you hear it all the we time. We love to point the finger at yeah. coaches and yeah. high schools. and But the church isn't positioned to teach the lessons that sports teaches yeah. because it's just not that entity. Yeah. And so consequently, you have a lot of parents and that are, you know, point the finger at the public school or the mm -hmm. high school coach. And some of the most, and to be really honest with you, we were in a Christian prep school and moved our kids from a Christian prep school to a public school because of the coaches that were at the public school. Really? Because wow. we wanted those voices in our kids' lives. Yeah. What are they pointing the finger at? Like it's the time, hmm. the busyness. Yeah. 
but I think it, I think it, I, I mean, especially in your world, John, this is true to, to be, first of all, it is about the process. It is about what they sure. learn. Um, and if we could, if we can, on the hills of what's happened in Charlottesville, let's consider too, that Sunday is still the most segregated hour mm-hmm. of the week. You want diversity, put your kids, in put, your, put your kid in sports. Yeah. And especially in the South. Yes. Yeah. No question. That's good. Uh, but, but the other part of it too, is that to be great at anything, you really don't have much choice. It takes, it takes what it takes. Yeah. Yeah. It takes what it takes. Yeah. Yeah. I think Nick Saban said that. Yeah, that sounded like a like a like a football coach. Yeah, I, just, I, think, I was yeah. about to go bust through the. Yeah, the, yeah, but the, we, Carlos and I talk about that. I mean, it's we're filming this on the edge of fall, um, and I've got a book coming out in September, and I just September, October, half of November are going to be travel, mm-hmm. like they just are, and mm-hmm. and my wife and I have talked about it, but it'd be like if I was in the NFL and said I want to play one game a month to spread it out, like the coach would go well, like. Mm-hmm. That's not right. Or an accountant who said, my April's really full. If we could spread out tax season, like right. they would go, no, that's not, it's not the way and it it's works. a reality. And so right. like, I will travel a lot more these next three months, but then we'll also go, I'm, I don't work in July. Mm-hmm. Like I'm home all December. Like there's that, there's that tension. I, it's funny you say that cause there's a church we both are familiar with. And I remember this speaker got up there and he was like, well, everybody wants my kids to play football because it's a great character building, but I always say, yeah, because the NFL has great character, doesn't it? And the whole church was like, screw football. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, it's the worst. And mm-hmm. so it's interesting to think, what are the lessons that we miss? Because, But that's just an easy fix. That's the same thing as saying the phone is evil so my kids can't sure, have a phone. Right. Like, that's the same thing, like overreacting to an issue because you don't want to deal. Like, right. it's easier for ESPN to pull Robert Lee from announcing a game than it is for white people like me to talk right. with the African-American community right. about the real hard, ugly, slow, barely fixable things. Like, right. that's difficult. Right. The knee-jerk reaction where we go. Yeah, Sports uh, is not the apex enemy of the family. No. It's not. Not at all. Not. Not at all. In fact, it can actually – I would I, – if, if you are a student pastor or a pastor listening yeah. – I would highly recommend that you consider partnering with your local school because one of the things that you'll find, I'm not saying that every coach is incredible. I'm not saying that every coach is a a man or woman of impeccable character, but I will say that most of them got in it because they want to help kids become better human beings. Human beings. Yeah. And it's a great, it has, my wife made this comment before I came here today. She said, sports has made me a better parent. Yeah. It's good. Uh, so well and it's interesting too to think about the fight it or fight with it yeah so like i mean we talk about that at orange where it's you know at home and the in the church but the idea of at school or at home and the coach mm-hmm. like that you're not fighting that you're saying or even a youth pastor not complaining about oh the kids are so but like going sure like if you said how many youth pastors schedule regular meetings with the coaches that are dominating right. their kids a lot like I right. don't know. I'm not a youth pastor, but yeah. it, it can't be a ton. <laughs> right. Or go to the games. Or go to yeah. the games. Or just go to a coach and ask. I am a vol- I personally am a volunteer varsity girls basketball coach uh-huh. at our high school. And I, it the way I got finagled into that is I just went, how can I help? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't because I wanted to play daddy ball. Right. No. I just said, how can I? You know, I have experience. How can I help? Yeah. 
and what it's allowed me to do. This is interesting to your point too, John. Most youth pastors aren't even on high school campuses. Yeah. I, I can walk. I literally have a key. I have keys to the school. Yeah. I can walk on campus at any time. And that's not to pat me on the back as much as it is to say these men and women want our help. That's good. Because well, and it's already in motion. That's yeah. the whole like, I'm going to start my own coffee shop. Well, is there one in your town that's already reaching people? Yeah. Sure. Sure. But it's, I'd rather start my own. So like you can build your own thing and fight for it to try to grow or you can admit we live in a football town right. yeah. or we live in a soccer town. Right. We live in a, you know, let me push behind that's that. And the, and the bigger part of that too, is that uh, to me, a student pastor that's worth their salt, they want their students that they're investing in to be in relationship with peers and impacting their lives. Well, I mean, in 2014, there were close to 8 million high schoolers that played sports out of 14 million wow. high school students. Yeah. Over half of the student body, that doesn't even include private schools, yeah. play sports. And then you consider that if you want to talk about diversity, um, less than half of those students are white. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm a firm believer if you want to have diversity in your church, you, you should have it at your dinner table first. Yeah. And, it's sports that has allowed us to have diversity at our dinner table because of the, of the relationships that, I mean, two That's weeks true. ago I looked up, you know, sitting in a chair and it looked like the United Nations around my, you know, That's around sweet. our table. Yeah. That's and great. it's all our, our kids, best friends. Yeah. I love it. I, I, I actually love where this conversation went. I'm, I'm glad that you said, well, if you want me to really answer that question, <laughs> because I feel like there, there's, there's just so much good stuff here, Stuart. There's so much good, uh, stuff to process and think about. And, um, uh, we appreciate you stopping by and hanging out. This is really, really good. I, and I could have just been quiet and listened to you too. Nah, no, we, I didn't have, I didn't have any people see my that. body. They assume I played football, <laughs> but I didn't. That was my first kicker. Ass- maybe that was my first I assumption. Kick. Did you, did Deep you guys snapper. see, see that, see the kicker, the punter from the, that, the little video, of this one going viral from this weekend. It was an NFL punter. The guy was about to yeah. punt it, and he went around his back. Yeah, I was watching it live. It oh, was a sweet were? move. Oh, yeah. he went around his Why back. Why did he do it? The guy dove to try to block it, and it, he didn't punt it. He just put it around his it was back. Like a, he... It was like a screen door in a flood on the protection. <laughs> and, I mean, the dude was about to tackle him. And so he was holding the ball out, and the dude was diving for the ball, and he just went around, went his, around back his back, back with back. the ball. <laughs> we'll show it to you. That's legit. So good. All right, well, um, yeah, thanks for the conversation. Absolutely. Thanks, Stuart. There it was. What a truly authentic conversation that we really landed on with Stuart. Uh, one of the things I loved about that conversation is, I mean, here, here's the deal. Stuart is going to parent in a different way than John, is going to parent in a different way than Carlos, is going to parent. And we all have our different ways and sticks in the way we do it. But at the end of the day, we've got one goal, right? And that is to raise a healthy, a healthy child spiritually, emotionally, and physically. And so um, I, I loved especially where we kind of started leaning into um, our daughters a little bit and leaning into what, what, it, what does it look like to raise not only daughters, but sons and daughters in culture today where they have such access to really a mess. They've got such access to a mess of a culture and there's so much stuff coming at them. And, and this, is what, this is what I loved the most that Stuart said. I really loved how he was specifically talking about not really even focusing on the mess, right? The cesspool, on the, the stink of culture. Because you could do that till 
you know, till the cows come home. Can you even say cows come home? I mean, is that, is that, is that even something that people say? But it is what I'm going to say. You can do that all day long. But what, what I think we fail to do sometimes is just to rise above it. Rise above the mess of the culture. Rise above the cesspool. And that is where we're going to start seeing character in our kids start to blossom and start to bloom. And so, again... That's something that you can do right away. Maybe stop focusing so much on, on the cesspool of culture and lift the conversation above that. And when you do that, I promise you, your kids are going to rise above it as well. What a great conversation we had. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it as well. Um, go to theparentq.org and you guys can get the show notes there. Please subscribe to the podcast. I also leave a review on iTunes. And uh, that's really it. We look forward to the next time we get to hang out with you guys here on Parent Q Live.